Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month masterclass, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoint, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can have either your entire organization take the program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our many open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, well, for more information, why don't you just listen to this podcast episode? Because the podcast episode this week is about this program. We have the privilege of having two of the attendees of our program, Stephanie Wagner of Castro & Company and Vicki Shaw of Georgia Southern University, actually on the show with us today. What we're going to talk about is their background because they share many similarities with you, the audience who's listening in. But more importantly, they've actually taken me up on the offer to take this program. And I wanted them to share some of the things that they've learned from it, some of the things that the managers who are taking the program have learned from it, just so you know that actually there are human beings that are taking this program. Stephanie and Vicki were great guests. It was a pleasure chatting with them. I know you'll really enjoy this and probably relate very well to the things that they're going through and struggling with at times. So why don't we quit talking about them? We got both of them in the studio. Let's go ahead and get ready. Make sure that personal item's under the seat in front of you. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Vicki Shaw and Stephanie Wagner, welcome to the show. Thanks, Hi, Mac. Great to hey, be here. This is, this is great. I'm glad we could uh, have you on this morning. So for those of you who are tuning in to listen today, you're wondering, who is Vicki Shaw? Who is Stephanie Wagner? Why are they on the show when we have all these really famous people? Like we've had Brene Brown on the show. We've had Simon Sinek on the show. I've had President Biden on the show. And now we have two. Well, I don't think I've had all those people, but I guess that's on my wish list. huh? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's for the, sh the show for the uh, uh, poor and not so famous. I guess that's how we're going to. But uh, anyway, no, the reason I wanted to have you on is for a couple of reasons. It, it's nice to be able to talk to people who are actually in the field that our listeners happen to be. Second reason is we want to have you on to talk about the program that you've been involved in over the past year, something that we talk about quite a bit at Boss Builders. So I'd like to start off by just asking you, and we'll start with you, Vicki, just tell us about yourself. Tell us where you work, if you're willing, and what your role is. Sure. Hello, everybody. I'm Vicki Shaw. I am the Director of Engagement and Employee Relations at Georgia Southern University. I've worked at Georgia Southern for, wow, here in just a few weeks, it'll be 19 years. And I've served in various roles um, at the university. Um, I started out in student affairs, so I lived and breathed and worked, literally lived with students. 
And I, I found myself in roles um, throughout that uh, of developing those students into better employees, into better professionals, so that when they left the university, they would represent us well um, out in the, the big, big, big person world, I guess, as they would call it. And um, through that, my position kind of morphed into an HR role. So currently, I am responsible for all of the professional development, employee relations, and our service center um, within HR. So lots of uh, frontline work with employees. Some of them come into our office very happy and excited to see us on their first day of work, and some very angry because it's their last day of work, unfortunately. And and so um, I get to support our managers across campus um, who are working through employee issues. We've participated with you over the last year, Mac, and we've taken lots of tools away from that, but I'm sure we'll get into that very shortly. That's great. So you've been in higher education for quite a while. How big is your HR team there? Um, We are about 25 strong, um, serving about, I think it's about 3,500 employees across three campuses. So we have campuses in Savannah, Georgia, Statesboro, Georgia, and Liberty County. Okay. So your ratio is still, it could be better, but I think Mm -hmm. for somebody listening today, they're probably thinking, oh my gosh, that's a great size of a team when some people are doing, you know, a lot of work with just a single team. So, so, So let me ask you too, from your perspective in higher education, have you seen in your 19 years there in different capacities, any difference in the way students attend class today and their outlook on life versus maybe when you first started? I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, our students, they want the immediate satisfaction of online and on-demand type learning, um, but they still want the traditional college experience. So going to parties, having events on campus and things of that nature. So we're, we're really working through how do we provide both of those to our students and still give them the value that they're looking for out of college. How were things at the campus when COVID really hit hard and people were forced to go virtual? Did it have a major impact? And how are you recovering from that now? Yeah, so I I think for our faculty and our our friends in student affairs who were face-to-face with students on the daily basis, um, it, it was a, a hard shift. Um, they did it successfully. I think I'm very proud of our team um, for pulling together and, and making it work as best they could. Um, but I think the shift back, there's obviously just like everywhere else in the world, um, our employees are looking for some flexibility in their work arrangements, whether that's flexibility in schedule, um, the ability to telework. You know, Prior to COVID, we were pretty strict on there there wasn't an option for telework unless there were extenuating circumstances Um, but we're really taking a look at that now and and how can we better manage that and and allow that for our employees but still achieve the results we need okay well on that note you know one of the places that uh, we used to live for about i guess 14 or 15 years was the washington dc area the dmv as they refer to it now and that was always one of those big things is, wow, can the federal workforce be trusted to work virtually? And people would kick it off. Well, we'll talk about it at the next meeting and we'll, we'll table that to the next discussion. Stephanie, where you live, it sort of just happened, didn't it? Tell us about your role, where you're located, and a little bit about your background. Yeah, thanks, Max. So it, it definitely, so I'm 
So I'm Stephanie Wagner. Um, I live in the DMV area and worked for I work for a CPA firm uh, called Castro and Company, and, and we're actually a federal contractor. And um, Vicky, similar similar to you, uh, we were on site on the client side at the uh, corporate office, um, and then all of a sudden COVID came, and overnight we just it's almost like we flipped a switch and everything went virtual. Um, so we're still teleworking for the most part. Um, and we've slowly brought people back into the office, uh, one to two days a week. Um, and we're waiting to hear from the federal, from our federal government clients, what their long-term plans are. But until then, um, I think, I really think people are enjoying, uh, the work from home situation. Um, it's definitely added a lot more hours into everyone's personal day. They don't have to commute. And Mac, you can appreciate the uh, the 30-minute the to hour commutes uh, going, you know, just 10 miles across the D.C. metro area. Well, I had heard too, and, you know, we'll go ahead and date the podcast. We're at the, you know, last week of October 2021. From what I read, I guess the metro is uh, they, they had a bunch of problems with the Metro car. So now there's like 40 trains servicing the entire line, which if you're not familiar, a lot of people, that's how you don't have to sit in that just mind numbing traffic is you can be jammed in like sardines. I don't know if it's like that anymore on the Metro used to be, I could like let go of my briefcase and it wouldn't even hit the floor. You're just packed in there like tiny little fish, but has that impacted the commute too, from what you've seen? Yeah, it has actually as a uh, as a metro rider. Um, yeah, it's added about forty minutes uh, both ways to uh, to my commute. But luckily, I, I don't have to go every day, and I don't take metro all the time. But yeah, I think right now the trains are coming thirty to forty minutes um, on the yellow line. If y'all are familiar with the area, so um, yeah, it's been very efficient. Actually, no, it's been very <laughs> very inefficient, and I think people are finding alternate well, ways to work. Well, the beautiful part is everybody's so nice and friendly there that I'm sure they gladly give up their seat for somebody else, oh. and gladly let people worm <laughs> their way to the door at the train stop. Yeah, uh, you can. That's that's why I don't have any more yeah, here. I just super accommodating all those years. You know, whether it's driving on 270 or on the metro. But <laughs> Stephanie, tell us about your role there in HR. So I'm the HR manager. Uh, we have about 100 employees. And when I um, initially joined the firm five years ago, uh, Castro and Company was actually building out its HR department. So I had a really cool opportunity to put the infrastructure in place to support the future growth. So, um, so now that all of our, our processes are in place, um, I have a little involvement with the, with the day-to-day operations of HR, and I'm now partnering with our practice leaders in terms of um, talent management, making sure that our our, um, our people are ready for their next position, um, identifying um, career paths, laying that out, and really telling the story, okay, what's it like to work at Castro and Company, um, and making sure that our people have a positive employee experience. So I, we talk about in our program, the triangle, right? You know, the expectations for the boss to be able to solve problems, protect the house and develop others. Specifically as a federal contractor, Stephanie, what's involved in HR protecting the house? Is there anything different in the federal contracting world than you might see in just uh, 
maybe somebody like me, just a consultant? Well, I think that, um, you know, paying attention to the contracts are very important. Um, that's definitely an element of protecting the house, um, making sure that, that we're in compliance, because not only do we have to deal with the state and the local regulations, but then we have contractual obligations. And um, I see Vicki nodding her head. I'm sure you can appreciate those um, those contractual obligations. So it does does add a level of complexity. So it's, it's kind of like we're serving, we're serving two clients, right? We're serving our, our employees and then making sure that they're serving their clients. So HR, so HR as a federal contractor, it's kind of unique and it's, it's interesting because there's like so many different moving parts um, for each client. Um, ironically, I mean, you would think the federal government would just have like a, a blanket process in place, but every agency is different. Yeah, it's a tough way to do business, but if you're locked into it, it's at least it's somewhat reliable and dependable. So that's good as well. Yeah. Well, we did want to talk a little bit about the program that you're involved in. So I'm going to go back to you, Vicki. The, the program you're in is our Art of the Great Boss, and it's designed over 13 months. There's an intro module, and then we tend to take our users all the way through that. How did you find out about the program? Um, we actually found out about the program. Um, my supervisor, um, I think, went through one of your courses in her HCI recertification credits and was from the moment we started watching it, we were just enthralled by how you present the information that's there. Um, you know, I think we would all agree, um, you know, you're presenting things in a way that is different. So people are going to take that in, in a different way. And so we found out about it in that way. We, um, decided we wanted to, um, put all of our HR managers and directors, um, through that program, partly as a pilot to see if it's something we want to provide to managers across campus, which we have decided we're going to do that. Um, but to offer something to um, our staff who do the hard work, right? So they're the ones who are really engaging with our managers across campus um, and guiding them in the work. And that can be exhausting. And so we wanted some ways to um, re-energize that group and give them new tools to use um, as they engaged in that work with managers and the the master class has been ideal for that um you know typically when you think of going through a training class or a development class people kind of oh gosh we've got to go sit through this one hour training and uh, i'm going to take some extra work so i can work on it while i'm halfway paying attention um, but our group gets really excited um every i think we do it the second wednesday of every month and so you know, that morning, everybody comes in, oh, we're going to, we're going to see Mac today. We're going to learn some, some great things. Um, and we do have lots of follow-up conversations, um, not formally scheduled, but, it, you know, passing in the hallway, hey, did you think about this with what Mac said? Or we actually, what you don't know, Mac, is we will, during the session, we're like texting each other. Oh my gosh, he's so describing you, Denise, or Rebecca, that is absolutely you, or this is this person we've had problems with. Um, and, and so we're having those conversations ongoing, even outside of that one hour. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, when I sit in a one hour session, I always mute. I always take away my camera because I can get some good work done. You know, so uh, mm -hmm. it's I'm, I'm, when I hear people are actually tuning in. Now, that's a good thing. So thank you for sharing. And you, there's actually two cohorts going through right now at Georgia Southern. So I know we have a core of HR folks, and I think we have a little bit of a blend in our second cohort that's going through as well. Mm -hmm. So that's been a lot of fun for me, too. 
Stephanie, how about you? Tell us how you found out about the program and some of the things that you guys are taking from it. Yeah, so um, I attended a DC Sharm event that Mac that you led, and I'm trying to. I was I was thinking about it. I was trying to remember the name of the program, but but anyway, I thought that the program was was really interesting. And in fact, you pulled the audience uh, to uh, for some giveaways, like a couple of you were giving away some books that you wrote to people who answered the question correctly. And I really, really wanted that book, and so I offered my answer, I think two or three times, and I got every single question wrong. <laughs> and uh, you graciously sent me a book, you mailed me the book. So um, so then you offered a, an intro, an introductory session. And Vicki, similar to you, I thought, gosh, this guy's delivery is really on point and has actionable information. He's talking to us like we're humans, like he's actually like sitting in our seat. And so uh, we did an introductory s- session with our, our management team for one hour. And, you know, these things take time. I kept pushing for it over uh, for the rest of, of 2020. Um, you know, we were looking for some, um, you know, worthwhile training. So um, yeah, then we, we kicked off, I think it was January of, of this year. Yeah, that's right. I think you're one of the first ones out of the gate. Yeah. So and so generally speaking, and I'll, and I'll start with you, Stephanie, You because Vicki had mentioned some things. Is there any particular uh, helpful takeaways that you've seen uh, from the time you've been in the mm-hmm. program. You guys are about ready to get into the tools modules. I think we that's going to be our next one or maybe the one on engagement. So it's going to shift away from the performance tools. But has there been any major takeaway? Absolutely. Um, a lot of our employees thought that the personality assessment, the Myers-Briggs assessment was really helpful because it gave them or it it let us know that like as a team, and I say us because I'm also going through the training, but um, it shed light on the fact that people have different work styles and the way that we approach work isn't always going to align with how our team members approach work. And so we really have to adjust our, our work style. Um, so, you know, we actually did um, like a check-in, like we divided into like smaller groups um, a couple months ago to f- to really find out what people have been learning, and and that was one of the things that really stuck uh, stuck out. Um, also, um, I heard a couple people mention that you know as they're engaging with team members, instead of just telling them how to to get something done, they're actually asking for their their team's input you know, so, so then that way they can learn and they can have the opportunity and it's more of a conversation instead of just like, we'll do it this way and get it done. And, um, it really opens the door to building relationships. So, yeah. So I think, you know, understanding that we have different personalities and also, um, you know, having conversations where we can really build relationships. I think that those are the two biggest takeaways. That's great. Vicki, how about from where you're at? Has there been anything major that's been a big impact on your folks there? Yeah, I think that the thing that we've enjoyed the most and have taken away and used probably daily is um, being able to identify our temperaments. And we have a pretty decent divide within our team of those temperaments. Um, And where it has come in most handy is to be able to go to someone like if I'm helping a manager confront someone and just based on what they've told me, I'm like, okay, they're probably this temperament. I can go to somebody on our team and say, okay, this is the issue we're having. If you were this employee, how would you best receive this feedback or, or how um, would you best receive this direction? Um, And then being able to in turn offer that back to the manager has been super helpful. Um, 
rather than just giving the blanket, just tell them to do their job, right? And, and we'll all be happy. And so helping managers to really kind of start to dive into that individual and, and how they best receive feedback. And, you know, I think some of our managers are super old school and that it's your job as an employee to adapt to me, not my job as a manager to adapt to you. Um, and so really kind of shifting some of that mindset a little that it, it's okay for the manager to shift and, and meet the needs of the employee. So that's been a really big takeaway for us. Oh, that's great. I mean, for both of you, which you shared for anybody who's listening that ever had a boss that never had any formal training and just thought, well, do your job, you know, do it because I said so, you know, there's other ways to do it. You have the positional power and you'll be getting to that section of the program here pretty soon. The question is, do you have to use it every time? Is there a way that I could better build rapport and then we could have that stronger relationship going forward? And a lot of people dismiss it, but I think it's really important. So I appreciate both of you sharing that. And I'll throw this out to both of you. You know, this is a little bit different of a program. What was the reaction when people saw the workbook that looks a little bit like an adult coloring book? And then you told them they should have crayons and colored pencils. Did anybody say what in the world's going on? I, I think from our team, we definitely had some that were like, oh, wow, this is going to be so beneath me and my skill level. And, and um, but now that they're into it, um, you know, for me, my, my learning style, it was perfect because I'm the one that sits and doodles the whole time somebody's talking anyway. So it, it's been super helpful. Um, but I do think that we had some of those folks that were like, why are you handing me a coloring book and crayons? Um, but yeah, it, it's been really great. Um, I think they look forward to getting out their crayons every week or every month and, and just spending that time kind of mindlessly doodling, um, but really being engaged with the materials that you're presenting. Stephanie, I would imagine with analytical folks like you probably have, there was a little pushback on the coloring book, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we had, I mean, they didn't come out and say it, but after the fact, they said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really sure about this, <laughs> this, this doodling and the coloring, but, but now that I've gone through it, I mean, gosh, I mean, and it's almost like, it's almost therapeutic in a way too, right? I mean, as adults, um, very rarely, or at least for me, I don't take time to take time out to play or color, or be creative. So it's, um, it's a really neat way to, to take in information because you're using your, uh, what is it? The tactical learning along with visual and, and audio. So it really checks all the auditory. Yeah. Thank you. Um, not audio. Um, so yeah, it really does check all the boxes. So yeah, people, everyone loves it. They, they're, they're really enjoying the training. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. And so if you're, you know, kicking the tires in this program, yeah, be prepared for that. I actually did a workshop for one of our other customers. They're an aerospace company and uh, they're headquartered out of Boston. And so I use a similar format for them. I just emailed the handouts. And on one of the critiques I just got, it's the, the person says, when I got the handout, I thought these were the cheesiest, most dumb things I've ever seen. These are mainly engineers. So you can imagine when they get this thing when, you know, I'm not a great artist, so it's kind of rudimentary. But then, of course, it was like now I'm engaged. I sort of have to pay attention. Not that it's you know punitive, but if you're having to write notes and you're having to draw and color, uh, you do make it stick. And, and both of you are correct. I mean, you can't see it in the office here, but I have an easel and that's where I've been doing a lot of work with pastel, the chalk. And so uh, periodically, even when I do the little 10 minute breaks, if I'm doing more than a one hour session, I'll go up there and just start working because that's frees up my brain, kind of like does a quick pause. And so it does, it actually works. And for anybody who struggles with focusing, I think you need to lean into that a little bit. 
to quote Sheryl Sandberg, who I had on the show uh, just a few weeks ago. <laughs> no, maybe it wasn't. But, you know, you got to lean into it, right? So I know all my buzzwords. Uh, I want to I end our time with uh, just one question for each of you. And so I'm going to start with Vicki. So, Vicki, if you could speak to, let's say, somebody who is a senior in high school who's thinking about a career in HR, what would the one piece of advice be you would give that person? You would think that I would be more prepared than anybody to give that advice since we work with high school students coming into Georgia Southern. But um, I, I would say flexibility is one of those soft skills that they're not going to teach you in school, but you've got to learn that and you've got to have that to be able to survive in a world of HR. Um, but I think too is um, one of the lesser known or, or less utilized skills within HR is innovation. Um, people think you're, you know, square peg in a square hole with all the regulations and, and laws and, and whatnot. Um, but, but there is a lot of room for innovation in HR. And I think that that's the next step that we take as a, a career field um, and as a profession is how do we engage a new workforce um, as, as we begin to lose the boomers to retirement and the workforce becomes younger? You know, how, how do we leverage that innovation to move us forward as a profession? That's great. Stephanie, how about you? What would you tell a high school senior who's thinking about moving into this as a career? Um, yeah, so I would tell them to to be ready to adapt. So similar to what Vicki said, I mean, having the flexibility, um, but you know, in order to stay relevant in the field, you have to be able to adapt because business is always changing. And especially to get into more of a strategic HR role, um, really thinking about um, employees from a business perspective, like what's going to, what's going to make the employees um, perform well, because it's only going to benefit their, their livelihood and, and the company overall. Um, so yeah, being, being flexible to adapt. And then also um, I would say to be curious also um, as in this, and this training has really actually opened my eyes to being curious because, I mean, if you look back at, at the different temperaments that we learned instead of, you know, if, if someone is not performing well, um, we can't go in there with our assumptions. We have to leave those assumptions at the door and really try to understand. And that's what's really going to um, help you build relationships with not only the employees, but also the leadership team that you work with and um, is really going to take you far. And that curiosity will also lead to innovation, I think. That's great. And because the audience can't see us, we're all seeing each other here. Uh, when Stephanie was talking, Vicky was nodding and vice versa. So you got kind of a double shot of things to think about. For those of you who are maybe mentoring somebody who is thinking about moving into the role, good to know. So uh, with that, I'm going to let both of you get back to work because I understand that you're very busy folks, but I do appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, to share your reactions to the program. And Hopefully, if you're listening today and you're on the fence, this would be a good option for you. We've got some validation there. And we didn't mention you get, I think, 13 HRCI and SHRM credits if you happen to be an HR professional and are trying to figure out a way to get your stuff done in time for recertification. We have that as well. So Vicki and Stephanie, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show this morning. And we look forward to continue our relationship in the program. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Mac. It's great to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. 
At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.